And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait! The trade deadline in the rearview mirror. The Jets roster looks exactly the same. They stay quiet. Joe Douglas made some phone calls, apparently, but no moves made. We're going to talk about that, and we're going to preview the Chargers game coming up on Monday night as the Jets get back to prime time, much to Zach Rosenblatt's chagrin. This is Tim McMaster and Zach Rosenblatt on the Can't Wait podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, give us a five-star review and rate us wherever you can. If you're watching us on YouTube, give us the thumbs up. All that good stuff. It helps us. Uh, bonus host again today, second straight week, getting ready for a game. We have our Athletic reporter Daniel Popper covers the Chargers for us and has for a long time now. But way back before he did that, he also covered the New York Jets. So he understands both sides of this. And really this season, it feels like a whole lot of pain in a lot of ways on both sides of this. But uh, thanks for coming on, Popper. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. What, uh, what, what year did you cover the Jets? What was the last time you covered them? Uh 15 and 16, and then a little bit of 17. So a lot's changed since then, obviously. A few coaching changes. <laughs> yeah, quite a bit. So I, I had the uh, fantastic Fitzpatrick, Decker, Marshall season, and right. then the utter calamity that was those first, like, five games of the next season. Uh, was there for the Geno punch. A lot of good stuff. A lot of important moments in, in Jets lore. Do you uh, – do- I'm sure when was the last time you came back to MetLife? Like, I'm sure it's still cool for you to come back here, right? Yeah, yeah. Always cool. Always yeah. cool to come back. Honestly, I can't remember the last time. Yeah, I can't I remember. Back. Either was, I believe there was a Chargers-Jets game in 2019, but I can't remember for sure. But, yeah, I mean, I grew up, you know, going to Giant Stadium and then going to MetLife. And so, you know, I used to sit there as a little kid and point up to the press box and be like, one day. So <laughs> always always, uh, always a pinch-me moment when I get back there. And, obviously, always great to see all uh, all my friends on the Jets beat. Now living the good life in Southern California. Um, Got as far away from Connor as he could, I think. Is what yeah, it was. exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. You're right on it there. Um, all right, let's get into this a little bit. So we're going to preview the game first because Popper's got a limited amount of time, and then we'll get into news and notes and the trade deadline and picks and all that stuff afterwards. But let's get right into this game. You have a four and three Jets team. Somehow they've gotten there. They're four and three. And you have a three and four Chargers team that had, I would say, pretty good expectations coming into the year with Justin Herbert and this offense. But these Chargers losses, Popper, three of the four by three points or less. And it always seems self-inflicted, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think you sort of have to start on the defensive side of things. Um, you know, obviously a better game against the Bears on Sunday night, but, you know, it's the Bears. So hard to put a ton of stock into it. I think you've seen an improved run defense. I think you've seen an improved pass rush, but the pass defense has really been an issue. The secondary in particular, they're giving up way too many explosive plays and it really hasn't mattered 
who they're playing against. Everyone's been able to really attack them deep as evidenced by, you know, Ryan Tannehill completing two passes of at least 50 yards in that uh, Titans game um, in week two. So that's really been the issue. You're starting to see it maybe come around, but again, like how much stock can you really put in how a secondary plays against Tyson Bajan, a division two quarterback making his, his second start. So you really have to start there. I think the inconsistencies lie there. And then offensively, um, the run game hasn't been as good as they sort of expected it to be. And you've seen some some inconsistencies from the first half to the second half. Um, they've only scored one touchdown in the second half over the last four games. And so you just haven't seen a team that's been able to put it all together in terms of like finding that real stretch of complimentary football against good competition. That's really what I'm watching heading into this game. Does this one does this one feel especially I mean they're all important, obviously, especially when you start off like that, but does this one feel especially important because you look at you talk about the defensive struggles, like the Jets aren't an offense that's exactly putting up yards or points. Like this, if they were ever going to figure it out, it would you would think it would want to start this week, right? Yeah, and you sort of look at the rest of the schedule, like it's <clears> gonna be really tough sledding for them to get to where they want to go, which is winning playoff games. I mean, you start here with the Jets, but they have games against the Ravens, they have a game against the Lions, they have a game against the Bills, they still have to play the Chiefs again. Um, and so like every game is huge at this point. That's what happens when you start off the way that yeah. they started off. Um, and, and you're exactly right. Like, I think like with this defense, you sort of want to start out with, okay, go out against subpar units and perform well. And then the next step would be, okay, maybe you can go out and have a decent performance against some of the top offenses like the Ravens and the Lions. And so like, that's what you're watching defensively. He's like, can they go out there and do what they're supposed to do against Zach Wilson? Can they cause some confusion with how they play defensively with some of these post-snap rotations, the complexities and the coverage, all of that kind of thing. And then can they stop the run and then get into good situations where they can like allow this pass rush with Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, and their rookie Tuli Tupelo to, to get home. So I think you're right on it there, Zach. You mentioned Mack and, and those, those big name guys that they do have. And this Jets offensive line is, I don't want to say it's in shambles, but it's in, it's stress. It's, a, it's in a tough spot. Yeah. It's in, that's a better word. Dis, it's in disarray. Um, and they've also had trouble this year with star players specifically. It seemed, you know, Micah Parsons was, it was bad. And then, you know, last week, even, you know, it, they've allowed those star defensive pass rushers to, inf, you know, just have their way with this offensive line. So from a Chargers perspective, that's got to feel good going into this week. Have they talked at all about like, that part of it yeah I, you know i'd watch the film from from sunday night and the one thing that really jumped out is that joey bosa is getting healthy um he talked last season about you know he's tore his groin in week three and missed most of the year that surgery he said actually cleaned up a lot of chronic issues in his core so he had super high expectations for himself he said he, he hadn't felt that good in years um you know week one he had a hamstring injury week three his foot gets stepped on he fractures his toe Sunday night was really the first time it felt like he had sort of moved past those early season injuries and really saw like the fully realized version of Joey Bosa as a pass rusher and as a run defender. And so what they'll do in pass rush situations is they'll get all three of those guys on the field. Tuli Tupelotu was their second round pick out of USC. He's a real player already. So they have three quality edge rushers. And what they'll do is they'll, they'll <coughs> pair two of those guys on the same side. And what they debuted on Sunday night was Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack on the same side, oh, wow. sort of engineering those one-on-ones with Joey Bosa more in like a three technique alignment and getting one-on-ones against the guard. He got a sack in that situation. Obviously those two guys on the same side is, is something that the Jets are going to have to deal with. Big reason they're able to do that is because Tuli Tupelotu has come on and they really believe that he can get that pressure on the other side, you know, sort of one-on-one or, or by himself over there and really push the pocket from that side. 
And so that's like, that's the game plan here for the Chargers defensively. The secondary sort of is what it is. They've been a better run defense. So stop the run, get in those pass rush situations, buy an extra count by, you know, rotating post snap and creating some confusion for the quarterback and then allow those, those three edge rushers to get home. That's going to be the plan for them to be successful defensively. And we'll see if they can execute it. And, and uh, I mean, you talked a lot about the defense on, on the other side of the ball, obviously, um, their offense is pretty explosive and they've scored a lot of points and stuff. But like when, when, when the Chargers offense is at its best, like what are they doing? Like, I, I know obviously they have those talented receivers. They have Eckler. The Jets do match up with them pretty well in terms of that stuff. Um, but yeah, what, like what's a, what's a Chargers offense at its best look like? Yeah, I think it starts with running the ball. Actually, um, they have not really been able to run the football and that's been a big issue with some of these offensive inconsistencies. Like I, I think, when I'm thinking about this game, I'm sort of comparing it to how the Chargers played against the Cowboys because you have very similar fronts in terms of the level of talent and then also how many bodies those two teams rotate through to keep those guys fresh. And so when you're going up against a front like that, you have to keep a team off balance. You have to be able to establish some sort of run game so that those defensive linemen aren't getting off the ball and getting after the quarterback and then also rushing in very good situations, whether you're talking about second and third and long. So like that to me is the plan this week for the Chargers. Like, how can they get this run game going? I think they're going to try and get really creative. They've tried a bunch of different stuff, whether that's, you know, lining up an offensive lineman at fullback and Jordan McFadden, the rookie, you know, jet sweep stuff with Darius Davis and Quentin Johnston. They're two rookie receivers uh, going into the wildcat. Even how do they get that run game going, do things creatively to keep that front off balance. And then once you do that, then you can drop back and really get into the drop back game and not be worried about this pass protection breaking down because that had really been an issue over the previous three games before Sunday night, they've been giving up like a 40% pressure rate. And a big part of that is that teams just don't have to respect the run. So like a good Chargers offensive game, I think starts with a really creative run plan early in the game, get the front off balance, get into your play action game. And then, you know, in the second and third quarter, once that defensive line is off balance, really drop back and try and attack the deep part of the field with, with your talented receivers, you know, between Keenan Allen, Josh Palmer, Quentin Johnston, and that group. So the, the Jets formula – all season because they don't really have confidence in their passing game has been to like make it an ugly low scoring game where the defense is dominating. And you just kind of like grind out a win. And it seems like that's probably the right approach for the chargers too, especially because of their run game. Right. I th- like if the jets are going to win this game, it's probably going to be they're trying to force them to play the jets way kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think like from the jets perspective, as long as they're constructed yeah. as they currently are, like they're going to try and make every single game really muddy. And so that would be my expectation. Like, I think the plan is to get that run game going. Yeah, of course. Expect it to get going. And then when you get into that situation, it's going to be Justin Herbert running for his life and trying to make plays off script, which he's very good at. Can you rely on that week to week? No, Um, particularly when you're going up against the front like this. And then I think defensively, like I know Zach Wilson is what he is, but great receivers have gone off against this defense. I mean, you can go down the list, whether it was Tyreek Hill in week one, whether it was Justin Jefferson in week three, CeeDee Lamb in week six, Travis Kelsey you know, in the, in the chiefs game. And so like, you know, really good talented pass catchers are able to find soft spots in this defense and really go off. And so, you know, can Zach Wilson find Garrett, Wil- Garrett Wilson really get that thing going uh, in the passing game. I think that's, that's potentially an option, but, um, and if that happens, maybe it'll turn into a bit of a, of a high scoring game, but you know, my expectation is with the way the Chargers are running the ball, that this is going to turn into a muddy game. Like you're saying. Yeah. I know you got to get going. So just what, what, how do you think this game goes? Like, how are you feeling about how this is going to go on, on Monday night? Yeah, I'm 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 sort of looking at, you know, like I've been saying, sort of this 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 run game situation. I think like you're going to end up in a situation where the Chargers are struggling to run the ball. And I really feel like this 
this Jets defense is going to be able to get off the ball, you know, in terms of in terms of their front. You know, can this Chargers offensive line pass protect in those situations? I think that ultimately it's going to come down to that and, and as this game sort of progresses. You know, they're down Corey Lindsley at center, which is a big point that I wanted to make here. Um, you know, he's a, a lot of what they do in terms of their pass protection runs through him. He's an all-pro level player. They've replaced him with Will Clapp. Rashawn Slater at left tackle is dealing with an ankle thing. He's not what he has been, you know, when he's healthy, like which is an all-pro level left tackle. And so that's what I feel like the game is going to end up coming down to is like how do the Chargers pass protect against this really talented Jets defensive line. If they can hold up, Justin Herbert, you know, had a bounce back game last year. And if they can give him some time, you expect their offense to sort of click in the passing game perspective. Uh, But that's really the matchup that I'm looking for. And I think that's really what the game's going to come down to. All right. Good stuff. Popper, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it, buddy. All right, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. All right. That was Daniel Popper, another friend here at The Athletic, covers the Chargers for us. There was one question in the chat for Popper that if we had a little more time with him, I was going to throw in that. And it was just... Do the Chargers actually have fans? Which I don't know if we've really got a conclusion. This would matter more if the game was out there because yeah, you could yeah. have you could legitimately right have a Jets fan takeover, and we've seen that with some popular teams. I, the thought of going out to LA, seeing a gorgeous brand new stadium, and cheering your team on against a team that there are worse stands yeah. is pretty good, <laughs> right? But the yeah. game is here. I will say I do know just knowing Popper and having like witnessed some conversations like this, I think he does get annoyed when people say there are not fans because I think you know I think I mean he does a great job, which is a, a big part of it. I think he's a very talented uh, writer and reporter, but um, yeah, I think and I he think does he have annoyed. subscribers, think, yeah. and he does, and he has and his stories. If you look at them, like I like to look at comments, and that's how you kind of have a good idea of. Uh, you know, fan bases that like to drive conversations, and it does seem like that way. So I, I, I have never witnessed like a very passionate Chargers fan base, but it sounds like there is one. I, the, their issue is they lost a lot of fans when they left San Diego. Like, right? I think even when they're in San Diego, I think they had a hard time filling the stadium. But like, there were Chargers fans, and they were all very offended by the LA thing. And in LA, they're already indifferent to most of those teams. It's always like one or the other. Like, the Clippers have tried for years to break through and they're just never going to be the Lakers and, you know, angels and Dodgers. Nobody really cares about the angels out there. Um, football is even weirder though, because the yeah, Ram- football, the, you have the two Ram- teams Rams, that yeah. weren't there. Yeah. But the Rams were there like back in the day. So I think they did have some like OG Rams fans out there and I think they're, they're doing fairly well, but yeah, it's the Chargers are in a Eric, tough spot. Eric Dickerson, I, I, I never really understood that move for them. Per- I mean, I know it was financial, but in terms of like trying to cultivate a fan base, like, and, and they have a quarterback and Justin Herbert is just like so perfect for like the California vibes and stuff. But yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I love California and like going out West and San Diego in particular. Uh, so the fact it, it, it annoys me that I don't get like a San Diego road trip. I, I missed out on those, <laughs> but, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, SoFi is a great stadium. I, I don't know when the jets will be there next. I don't think they're not going to be there next year. So I don't know when that, that probably will be a while at this point, but it's a great stadium. I, we do get to go to the Vegas stadium next week, which I am excited about. If I was transplanted to LA and had to pick a new team, I, I would go with the chargers just because of the uniforms over the Rams. Mm, they wouldn't even be uniforms. a question, but I do yeah, think there's more easily, Rams fans. Yeah. And ch- chargers fans are maybe not as tortured as jets fans, but it's like a different kind of torture because the chargers every year, it seems like they're going to be good. And every year they just blow games by shooting themselves in the foot, like every week. And they, a lot yeah. of times they're more talented or they have bad injury luck. Like, They've had some of the worst luck of any franchise in sports. I, I mean, when they had Tomlinson and they just couldn't quite get it together. 
you know, they get to the AFC championship game, I mean, they're, knock they're, it over the, the hunt. They've had Justin Herbert in his prime and they <laughs> yeah. kind of wasted it so far. And when they were in San Diego, it was tough to call them like tortured fans because yeah. when the game ends, you're in San Diego, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You look outside. Nobody was in San Diego feels tortured, I would say. Yeah. Right. It's, you know. <laughs> oh, no, there's a beach okay. down the street. Oh, man. <laughs> the weather's perfect every day. <laughs> every day, all, all year. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let, let's move on from the game preview, get into some news and notes as far as this Jets teams go and the trade deadline or the lack of a trade deadline. Um, the I think the most interesting thing, Zach, was that players were moved that when you look at it, in theory, could have helped this Jets team, right? Like the Jaguars, sixth round pick, Ezra Cleveland, Donovan Peoples-Jones, sixth round pick, like sixth round pick. It's not a lot of, re- you know, yeah. draft capital. These are good players that were moved. The Jets decided that either that was too much to give up or those players weren't going to help them. At least that's what Joe Douglas says. He says he spent a lot of time on the phone. Yeah, that's that's one thing he likes to say a lot. He's like, he made a lot of phone calls, talked a lot about the players at a lot of different positions, made a lot of phone calls. I was joking with somebody. Do they really early, make like, phone no, calls? I know nobody like, uses their phone more than all yeah. text messages. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's what it is too. Yeah, or maybe when it gets up to the wire, you're like, you know, like the scene of Moneyball where Billy Bean's calling calling uh, GMs and he has other GMs on the other line, and I don't know if it ever gets that intense or not. But um, yeah, I, I joked with somebody earlier. Nobody uses their phone more than Joe Douglas. Nobody makes more phone calls than him. He's an elite phone call maker. <laughs> I, like the, you alluded to, like them calling. You know, there was a report after the fact, as it always is, that they reached out on Devontae Adams and Mike Evans and T. Higgins. Um, and I'm sure they they technically did, but it, that's such a, like, after the fact, like, see, I, I tried, guys. Like, <laughs> stop being so mean to me kind of thing. And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's what Joe Douglas did here, but it got out by somebody from somebody in the Jets building immediately right. after. And I, I don't it's a convenient think, leak. Yeah, I don't know that – it happens so often that where the Jets are like – it's like the almost Jets, like you can make a superstar team out of almost Jets – it's like always after the fact they were a top choice. And I, there are some cases where that was true. Like they did think they were getting Fletcher Cox. I saw Orlando Brown said that the Jets offered him more than the thing he signed with the Bengals. Um, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill. They, they offered more money. Uh, so like th- th- there are situations where that does happen and it's worth talking about that they were in it. But <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't think they deserve credit for making a call on guys who weren't available. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting spot. Um, I do think Devontae is going to be available this offseason unless the Raiders like really turn things around with this new regime or whatever. But And that will be a topic for another day. But, yeah, I, 
it's more a conversation of like, why did they stand pat? And I think the Ezra Cleveland one, it jumped out to me. I ultimately like, he's probably not that good if that's all they could get for him. But also like the jets are so desperate at guard right now. Like I don't see why you wouldn't take a flyer on a young guy like that. I think the impression I get is they didn't feel he was a good fit, but like you played Xavier Newman off basically off the street, like last week. So I don't know. I, they did sign Roger Saffold. He's a veteran guy. He technically made the pro bowl the last year. And if you go back and look at it, I don't really know why I think he, he was an alternate. And I think it's probably because he's a name and, and I think some of the voting has to do with being like a name with Pro Bowl stuff sometimes. Cause if you look at like the PFF ratings, which aren't like perfect, but he was like the third worst guard out of every guard to play like a certain number of snaps last year. So. 44 was his rating last year. PFF. Yeah. Out of like 44. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not banking on him making huge impact though, based on the Jets luck on the offensive line. It would not shock me if he was playing at some point this year. Um, this week we'll get into the like the offensive line stuff because there's a lot of moving parts right now, like to an insane degree. There's a lot of like so many different possible combinations we might see on Monday night. Um, but yeah, so you know, ultimately I, I thought they should have traded for a wide receiver. I don't know if Donovan Peoples Jones was a solution. He's speedy and he's an option. Obviously, their bigger issue is they're just, like the quarterback's not really completing passes down the field. But um, I thought there were some receivers out there they they could have brought in. I think that was a you know. Robert Sala was like, you know, offensive linemen aren't usually available, and that's 100% true. And I was surprised by Ezra Cleveland being available, like getting traded for what he did. But I, I, I went into it thinking, like, get another receiver because this is a bad offense. Like, you need this is an offense that is last in third down conversions and last in red zone conversions. And, you know, maybe they'll win on Monday night and they'll be five and three with the worst red zone offense in the league, which I can't imagine has ever happened. I've been, I'm going to try researching that. It's going to be hard. I don't have ESPN stats and info at my services, but, um, like, I, I can't imagine that's a sustainable thing, but this this has also been said. I saw like a crazy stat about the Steelers about how they've, I forget something about their point differential or like something crazy where they've been like outgained or something like that, and they are five and three despite that. Like they've been outgained like every of the eight games in yardage or something, and they're still uh, five and three. Like it's a very weird year. They think there's more, like there's way more average teams than good teams. It seems like in the NFL now, like more than ever, like, probably because the quarterback plays so bad around the league right now. Um, yeah, and the elite teams keep that you thought were elite keep losing. Yeah, right? like the Chiefs look very beatable. The yeah, Bills the Chiefs could be five and it, four. Whereas the Bengals are starting to get it together and they seem legit. It's like the Bengals and Ravens and the AFC. It seems like, and like the Eagles, Cowboys. Um, I feel like I'm missing somebody who's been uh, the 49ers, but they've had some issues too. So it's uh, it feels more wide open than the NFL usually does, which is kind of cool. Like if you look at the AFC standings, 15 of 16 teams have three wins. Like everybody's within a game of the wild card technically so that's why weirdly a game like this against the chargers on monday it's more important because there's gonna be a lot of teams fighting for that seventh wild card spot including the chargers and jets so this this is going to be a big tiebreaker game and you know yeah. you don't want to get too far ahead of yourselves because it ultimately evens out but like the jets need to win this one um you know like at the end of the year the, the eagles win doesn't help as much as the chargers win would technically so um they need to win this one Hey, one one more question on the yeah. trade deadline yeah. um, that I was thinking when they didn't do anything. Sure, it's possible that, you know, Joe made all the phone calls, nothing matched up. He was like, we, we're going to yeah. keep this stuff. But is there any way that at the higher ends of this organization, they're looking at the roster and they're looking at Zach Wilson, how he's playing. They're looking at how they've won the games they've won. And they're thinking, there's no way we can sustain this through the rest of the season this team at some point is going to kind of fall apart. So let's hold on to our, 
long-term assets and not get rid of them for short-term assets when we know deep in our heart of hearts that this season isn't going anywhere. That's a dark way of looking at it. But no, is there I, any I, think way it's, that- I think it is a fair, I don't think it probably goes like to that degree. I, I think it's somewhere down the middle. I think there's a part of it where they believe they're absolutely like in the playoff race um, and they're able to do it. You know, they, they internally, they believe Zach's been getting better. They need it for more than the last 24 seconds or whatever, but um, they believe he's getting better. Um, you know, there's the the carrot, as we've talked about, the carrot of Aaron Rodgers potentially coming back. I, I'm a little skeptical. I'm working on something to do with the whole Rodgers situation. But um, I uh, so I think there's those parts of it. There's a part of it that they, you know, I, I think they're also realistic. Like they know they're not going to win the Super Bowl probably with the way they're they're operating right now. Um <laughs> but getting the playoffs would be a big deal around here. So I, I don't know. It, it's on one hand, they don't have a lot of draft picks available to them next year. If you just like look at their uh, collection, I don't have it in front of me, but you know, they're not going to have their second round pick because of Rogers, which is, would have been a valuable one to get somebody like really good. And that's why the whole Kirk Cousins thing, and you know, he's out for the year now anyway, but that's why I, I never thought that was realistic because they don't have a first or second they could trade this year. And so, Imagine if they had traded Kirk Cousins and then he had torn his Achilles <laughs> like he did. I mean, th- even being tied to the Jets might have done it to him, honestly. Um, <laughs> the rumors tore his yeah. Achilles. Um, but, you know, I think th- they're rolling with what they have. They, they believe in this defense. I think they have talent on offense. I think they're, just ho- they're, ho- they're getting healthier kind of on the offensive line while also getting more unhealthy, weirdly. But, um, like – I think they're just hoping that it stabilizes with the guys they have. Like they feel like, you know, like a Dwayne Brown is an addition and then Joe Tipman is kind of like an addition. And and you have Roger Saffold and Dennis Kelly are two veterans who have done it before. Like they, they feel like they can get through the year with this, but they're also like hanging on by a thread. Like if you think about their Brees Hall injury away from losing a lot of games, like he's that important to their offense right now. And in the modern NFL to be that reliant on a running back is not ideal. Um, same thing with Garrett Wilson. If they lost him, like who are they throwing the ball to? So you're, you're one injury to a key player away, um, from being in real, real trouble. And, and, and maybe they're, that's like part of the calculus, you know, like it's hanging on by such a thread, like going all in on this season doesn't necessarily make sense. So, um, I think they're just going to keep, you know, they're, they've convinced themselves or they're trying to convince us that they believe this offense is going to get better it can't get worse you know robert saul had a quote the other day which i think made some fans mad uh where he said something like um we're it's we're gonna figure it out when we do it's gonna look pretty cool and as others have many pointed out they've been saying that all year and it's week nine so um, and, and look I, I know they were thrown for a loop with rogers getting hurt and that changed everything because they had as we've talked about plenty of times here like the aaron Rodgers led offense is not like easily transferable to just another quarterback. Like he runs the show and he's back in the building, not in the building, but he's uh, on the headset and all that stuff. Um, but it's still not the same. And Zach Wilson had, has had issues with processing in the best. So like, I, I get the transitional period, but we're in week nine and this is like, it's not even like close. This is the worst red zone and third down offense in the league. Like it's not even predict like the 31st is not close in either category. And I, it's just not sustainable. So you better figure it out. You better do something different. Clearly, you know, Zay, we'll talk about the Zay, we'll joke about the Xavier Gibson thing until he actually starts playing more and getting the ball more. But I think they're banking on guys like him becoming more relevant. They're banking on, you know, Garrett's, you know, Zach Wilson's played a little bit better and that's led to Garrett Wilson getting the ball more and making more of an impact. The tight ends, like I, they believe they have the pieces around Zach 
and you hope that Brees just kind of like accidentally breaks free for 50 yards for a touchdown sometimes. You basically uh, need that every once yeah. every Like week. I said, you're the grind it out thing. Like it, it's going to be harder to grind it out for, to a win against a team like the Chargers, which is like, while their defense is beatable, the Jets offense hasn't really exploited bad defenses so far. And the flip side of that is the Chargers, you know, for all the games they've lost, most of the ones they lose, they have like scored or a lot of points or had a lot of yards in them. And most teams don't do that against the Jets, but you know, and the Jets have done good against good quarterbacks. I think Justin Herbert is different than all the other quarterbacks they've played. Not to say he's better than Mahomes or anything, but his his like cannon, he can throw it further than anybody in the league. And they have, you know, Keenan Allen and the the rest of their receivers aren't that scary. But I don't know. I just I, I have a hard time thinking that it's going to be a traditional grinded out game for the Jets. Um, but I don't know. It's it keeps happening until it doesn't happen. I don't know. Maybe we should expect them to just like for three quarters were like they look terrible and then they pull out a win at the end and just like oh okay i guess they won and now we have to be excited again well i think i think in a lot of ways this game is going to be as telling as any of them yeah. because of the chargers defense being so susceptible specifically to the pass right but also because of the pass rush i think because this is really going to test zach can you take a three-step drop find your guy and hit yeah. him because you're not going to have extra time. There is going to be a pass rush, but chances are somebody's going to be open too, right? Like you're going to come yeah. back and one of your weapons is more than likely going to be open on yeah. time against the secondary. Um, and it's, we're going to see like, can Zach do that? Can he be the methodical? Like, okay, I'm taking what the defense is giving me. I'm not holding the ball too long or trying to scramble. Yeah. I'm just dropping back and hitting it. And I'm excited to see how he does in that scenario. Cause I don't think he's been in that situation this year where it's just, where it's been a pretty good pass rush, but a kind of a weak secondary for him to try to capitalize on. Yeah, totally. And that way, this is like a different bad defense than the other ones. I think like even the Broncos bad defense, they have Patrick Sertan, like they have right guys in the back end. Um, so somebody just like made a comment about my, Brees accidentally breaking for a fit. I was I was joking. Like I it's obviously like a big part of Brees. I I was specifically alluding to that 50 yard touchdown he had last week where the Giants just like decided to not tackle him. Um well but, Taylor Delgado added that that's his fantasy team. Yeah. Yeah. But like when when it's not working for Brees in the running game, you hope he just breaks free for one, which is what happened last week because he had a bad running game. Um but anyway, yeah, the, the like this Chargers defense, like if there was ever a game to throw it down the field, like this is the one. I am very concerned about that D-line against the O-line. I mean, the Giants have Dexter Lawrence, who's a stud in the middle, and they have um, Thibodeau, who's like gotten a bunch of sacks. But I, they don't scare me as much as like two guys coming off the edge like this. And I don't even know the part that Popper brought up on here, which is good insight about how they put Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa on the same side sometimes. Yeah, like That's going to be – if they do that, that's going to be a real issue. Um, Makai Becton did allude to the fact that he expected to see both of those guys throughout the game. And so that is a challenge – Especially, you know, and maybe we can transition in the O-line stuff now, yep. I guess. Perfect. Um, yeah, set it up for that because then I can get into what I was about to say. So the O-line is what it is, right? Joe Tipman, yeah. question mark. Dwayne Brown, question mark. Um, but Salah said he is one of their best five linemen. So you said it a little earlier in the podcast. Like, there's so many directions this team could go for Monday night. So how do you see it playing out at this point? I guess the fact that it's a Monday night game could really help as far as yeah. Tipman goes, right? That extra day. Yeah. And we should say Lake and Tomlinson was added to the injury report yesterday. And Sala was also like, we'll, we'll see how it goes these next few days. <laughs> um, 
I mean, that's like a wrinkle that I didn't even consider before we even we got onto this pod because not having Lakin, even if you have Joe Tipman, like who's playing left guard? Um, but let's say if I had my druthers and I was completely this is completely guesswork because I don't know how Joe or Lakin looks physically. I, I'd say they both play. So if they both play, and Dwayne's the question mark because I have no idea if he's going to play after not practicing until this week. I feel like they're going to be a little more cautious than they were at the beginning of the year when he hadn't practiced, and it seems like they're all admitting that that was he maybe rushed back a little bit uh, in week one, uh, and then he hurt his hip and, and his shoulder is still recovering from and all that stuff. But so I, my my gut would say that Dwayne doesn't play on Monday, but if he did, that would change everything as well because. Again, I'm getting really convoluted because that's how convoluted this offensive line is. It's like hard to track. It's like that Charlie Day and uh, it's always sunny thing where he has like all the he's like looking crazy and has that wall of like all the different theories he has. But um, like so, sounds like Makai Becton, just based on the way people are talking. If Dwayne Brown is back, it sounds like Makai would go to the right tackle, and Dwayne would plug in at left. I know fans aren't happy about that, but they feel that's the best version of this offensive line. And, and so they're going to go with the best five. And you have Joe Tipman at center. That's a great thing. You have, although to be fair, he hasn't played center in a while because he was playing right guard. So anyway, that's his natural position. But Lincoln Thomas on left guard if he's healthy. Um, then the question becomes right guard and right tackle if Dwayne isn't playing, which I, again, I, I lean towards him not playing. And so if he's not, like my my gut and my guess and just like my informed opinion is that maybe they move Max Mitchell over to right guard and play Billy Turner at right tackle. Um, I don't think they have really a better option unless you do the flip of that, which would be Billy Turner at guard and Max at right tackles. I don't know if you want to start as much as they hyped up Xavier Newman. I, I don't think they want to start him necessarily at right guard. Um, I don't think Dennis Kelly is, ne- is really a guard and Roger Saffold is not ready. So they did uh, sign – Chris Glazer onto the active roster. He's a guy that's kind of bounced on and off the roster and practice squad since last year. Uh, Sala was asked like what their center options are this week. And he, and he said it was if Joe Tittman's healthy and then there's Chris Glazer and there's Xavier Newman, which those are those last two are not names that this fan base had probably heard of before recently, but Chris Glazer an option on the interior. I can't imagine he would start though. So as you can see, it's a very convoluted and complicated situation. I guess, Thinking about the worst case scenario where Tittman and or Lake and Tomlinson aren't playing. Um, I guess you start Xavier Newman. Um, I don't know, man. It's, that'd be bad. It gets scary. Yeah, it's going to be um, an interesting couple of days. And I'm very curious to see what that injury report looks like. I, I don't think they'll have like the game statuses today. I think that'll come tomorrow. The schedule is very weird because of the Monday night game. Like today's technically their like Thursday practice. Right. I think I was going to bring up that if Brown does come back, Becton, who has said things in the past about yeah. playing right tackle, right? And yeah. like blaming the coaching staff for the injury and all sorts of stuff uh, and saying he only wants to play left tackle. He actually, whether it was actually his feelings, whether his agent told him, whether the team talked to him, but he said kind of the right thing this week where he said, I just want to play football. I don't give a damn where I'm at. I feel like that's not probably fully true. I think he really <laughs> does care where he's at, but it seems like at this point he's willing to do whatever the team needs. Yeah. I mean, before that he was asked like the challenge of moving to that position and he was kind of like, you know, I guess I'll just have to like rep it and relearn that side or whatever. Cause he, he's been very adamant about how much different it is. Um, and I know there's some fear. And one of the things he, he criticized the jets for in his like off season comments was, 
that he felt moving him to right tackle is what caused his, uh, his, his knee injury last year. And so just because of the Jets luck, you, you'd hope that that doesn't happen again because the fan base would absolutely lose their mind if they move Makai and he gets hurt, especially because he's been their steadiest guy on the offensive line. He's the only one that's, I mean, he has like a, a rest day every week, but he's been healthy and he's made it through every game. Um, which credit to him on that. And I think he's gotten better as time has gone on. He hasn't been perfect. I think he still maybe gives up a little too many, uh, pre- too much pressure, but I, he's been pretty good. So yeah, it's, he's such an interesting case study. Cause I just, I don't, I'm, I'm fascinated by like, he's in his last year of his contract. Um, and I don't know if the jets will be highly motivated to resign him, but I can't say that for certain. Like if he keeps playing well, he, he might go out and get good money in free agency. Like he's, I'm sure he wants to stay on the left side because that's the position he views himself as long-term, but um, this is kind of what, where they're at. Like this offensive line is just a, it's a mess right now. And they do have some pieces and talent with, with him and Joe Titman, And I think Lakin's been solid. Um, losing Connor McGovern is a, I think is a pretty big deal ultimately because he's just like a steady guy. And Schweitzer is, is big just for depth, like losing that guy. Like they, they think they went into the season with pretty good depth. They've just had as bad as luck as they did last year. So um I'm very concerned about this O-line against that that Chargers D-line. Like, that's the ultimate end-of-the-day story. I think at some point we said early in the year or in training camp, there's no way they can have as bad a luck on the offensive <laughs> yeah. line as they did last year. And here we are. Here we are, week, <laughs> week eight. Um, before we get to the picks, um, big awards week for the Jets. Quincy mm. Williams, AFC Defensive Player of the Month, not just the week, the month. Uh, Moore said special teams player of the week. That's a, a no-brainer after the 11 punts and, and what he did against the Giants. A game-changing type performance from a punter, which you don't always – usually if your punter is starring in a game, you lost. <laughs> yeah, that's um, what I said. I, I even asked phrase of question like that to Salah. Like usually the punter isn't the one at the podium like after the game and he's not the one getting the game ball or whatever. So yeah. like it's pretty – I mean everybody loves that guy in the locker room too. But Quincy – I think the fan base, I think the team, the people that cover this team have have seen how he's progressed over the last year plus. But for the the league as a whole to recognize defensive player of the month, I mean that that really goes to show what he's become as a linebacker. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've talked about it a bunch because I wrote about it a, a few weeks ago. Um, actually, what I wrote wound up in uh, One Jets Drive last week. They they told me they didn't know like the whole cheetah thing where he watches the video of a cheetah before games, uh, cheetah hunting a gazelle. And so they did like a whole thing on that where they like, they like went in with him to work and had him on, they were like videoing him doing that. And he was talking about his whole process with that. But yeah, I, I think he's been a revelation. He, he, I, he's on pace to be an all pro, I think right, as of right now, I mean, winning player of the month is like no small feat. Like out of all yeah. AFC defensive players, they voted him as the best one of the month. Like that's yeah. Cause it's a lot of pass rushers get that. And by the way, it was, I, cause I, I have that app time hop. Um, a year ago today, Quinnen Williams won AFC Player of the Month uh, for his dom- – because that was when he dominated last year. He had that game against the Packers and all that stuff. So the the Williams brothers are doing well for themselves. Although Quinnen doesn't have a sack yet this season. I don't think that's necessarily reflective of how he's playing, but it is notable and relevant because of the money he's getting paid or paying him to – I'm know. starting to see his name cropping up in your comments on, on your stories more. Yeah, it's like been, it took longer than it used to with Quinnen not getting sacks because I think he built up a lot of goodwill last year. I still think he's been dominant and he, he I don't have, I don't know, I don't have like access to these stats. I think they're on next gen, but I, I feel like he's getting doubled and triple teamed more than ever. So 
um, which has helped guys like Bryce Huff and Jermaine um, kind of break loose on the outside and coming off the edge. So he, he helps those guys do a lot of what they do. Um, but yeah, you know, Quincy, he's a big reason why the defense I think has in some ways been better than the last year, especially forced to turnovers because they don't really have a hole on this defense anymore. Safety. I think you could maybe argue, but those guys have been solid. They haven't been as bad as last year. I thought Whitehead and Joyner were worse last year than Whitehead and Tony Adams have been this year. Um, and they've been good at linebacker. They go through stretches of games where they struggle tackling, but they figure it out by the end of the game. And Quincy has just been an absolute star. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Should we move on to picks? Yeah, let's do it. All right, we're going to bring up the standings. If you're watching on YouTube, this is where we were at. It's a two-way lead, uh, K-M-C-A-S-A-Z-Z. Not sure where the initials and name catch in there, but 62 points out of 106, 58.49% for him. And then ESS, also 62, correct, out of 106 for a 58.49. I embarrassingly missed a week. Um, and, I, and I've continued my streak of uh, of forgetting to do it on Thursday. So I missed So you missed your Thursdays. But you're, so I, you're I, would have, I think I would, I would have picked the Titans, though. So got that wrong anyway. You're at 54, uh, 50.94%, just be worse. over 50%. I have a better percentage at 53.76, but less wins because of that. <laughs> Because you didn't do that, you know what it was. It was the week that we didn't do a Thursday, Friday. Right, threw you off. Yeah, this does this. These episodes have been my reminder, and a lot of times we do them on Thursday. So, whenever I miss them, it's because we didn't do it on Thursday. So my goal now is to get back into the top ten despite missing a week. That would be a (laughs) that would be pretty. You'd have to like go pretty pretty amazing if you. But I actually got last night's game, which three and a half point spread, and of course twenty to sixteen the final. Yeah, and the Steelers like went like a weren't leading most of the game and they did at the end. It's like this. I can't believe the Steelers are five and three. They're like, the Oh, Levis isn't bad. He might be pretty good. Somebody had in the chat that the Steelers have been out. Yeah. That was was the stat I was alluding to earlier. Every game. 
They've been outgained yeah. in every game, and they're and five, they're five three. three. It's like the Diamondbacks in baseball this year mm. were actually outscored over the course of the season. Crazy, and they, they went to the, one of the more improbable World, World Series teams ever. Honestly, yeah, amazing. All right, so let's get but, into the uh, actual. There are some interesting games this week. Yeah, some picks. We'll we'll focus on the good ones. So there's like four real premier kind of matchups, not counting the Jets on Monday night. Um, Miami and Kansas City. Mm-hmm. This one, these are all tough too. I went with Miami. I just feel like Kansas yeah, City's in a funk, and they're not just. This game is maybe, maybe they lose this one, and that wakes them up. And that's I'm in, not it's sure. In, it's in Germany, and those international games always wind up being weird, so they're always yeah. hard to predict. But yeah, I I think Miami wins that one. Yeah, and they get two and a half points too, so that helps. So that's one of the big ones. Um, scrolling down, the rest are all at the end, I believe. Did I miss one here? This I think Seattle, Seattle, Baltimore is a good one. I, I couldn't believe yeah, that, that was line. one. Of I couldn't believe the yeah. line six and a half. I I picked the Seahawks easily because I think the Seahawks are pretty good, and they just got Leonard Williams. I don't know. I know the Ravens are like they're like the team right now. Everybody's talking about them as like the Super Bowl contender. I I think the Bengals are. I keep talking about them. I think they're going to be the AFC Super Bowl team. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think Seahawks can get six and a half points. Yeah, that one was tough. I took the Ravens, but uh, I figured they probably win by seven. Um, and then Dallas at Philadelphia, obviously yeah, a, a huge one. game, especially because I still don't know if we know what Dallas is exactly. Yeah. We know what Philadelphia is. Um, we, we Jets fans have seen the worst of the Eagles, but that that's it, right? They they've looked really good. Um, three and a half to me felt low at home for the Eagles in this game. Um, so so that was I think of these big games that was the easiest pick for me was Eagles minus three and a half. Yeah. And then the Bills game that you just mentioned. And that's another one where two and a half for the Bengals at home, the way they've played the last three weeks, I, I feel like the Bengals. And you never know what you're going to get with the Bills week to week. They either like look like the best team in the league or they like lose yeah. to somebody who's not good. So I'm not out at a, not out of practice right now because we're recording. Apparently Lakin was not participating in position drills and Joe Tittman was so might give you an idea of who's more likely to play, which, you know, is another nice. idea. Run for a loop because I don't think they've had other guys really practicing left guard before this week. So, um, and, and as much negativity as sometimes Lincoln gets as far as the fan base, yeah. like you haven't heard his just, name in a while, there, right? He's been there yeah. every week. He hasn't missed any games or even snaps. I don't, I can't remember since last year. So um, it's a lot, it's a big loss as much as fans hate him. So anyway, yeah, the Jets game, you had the Jets uh, with the points. I did, but this man, this was, this was a hard one to pick because yeah i it's i really think they're gonna have a hard time but so do I. plus three and a half was kind of the difference maker for me i thought like even if they don't win it's not going to be a blowout so i i kind of took the points more than anything they need yeah to win. yeah it, i could see them losing by three points i think if it's with the spread i would say like i, I could see the jets losing by three points or something like that um I lean towards picking the Chargers, but like the Chargers are like, and again, one of those teams that are so sketchy. Like you, they might come out and just like blow you out, or they're just gonna like shoot their own shoot themselves in the foot ten times in a row. So I'll, I'll say the I'll say the Jets lose, but by three points. All right, there you go. I think Popper's prediction too, not on this podcast, but I've seen it out there, was seventeen fourteen Chargers. So oh, wow. he would say the same. Chargers on the grind it out, and that's from the Chargers' perspective. Um, that 
It feels like these Jets games, first team to 20 wins, right? If you can get That's to 20 it. points. Like it, and also, if you like ask somebody to predict what's going to happen in the second quarter of a Jets game, <laughs> like your opinion would change wildly from before the game, even like every, every week. Like at this point, I don't know what's going to happen when I walk into a stadium and I four offensive linemen will be carted off by yeah, the half. That's yeah. literally like I, like I, yeah, like I said last week, you see some shit you've never seen before every, every week. Um, I, I, hopefully it's a good game. I think it could be an interesting one because these are two teams who have kind of opposite strengths. Uh, so, and Herbert, you know, I mean, the, this gaunt, I mean, not to quote Sala, but they have had a true gauntlet of like great quarterbacks that they've gone against. Like it's, it's pretty crazy that Herbert's next on the agenda. It gets a little easier after this for a week, at least uh, you get whoever's going to be playing for the Raiders. Then you get Josh Allen and Tua back to back. So like, they don't really have many breaks from good quarterbacks. Whereas last, last week year, was a pretty good break, but last week was a great break. Tommy <laughs> DeVito from the Sopranos, <laughs> but uh, um, I, I, a friend of mine who covers the Giants uh, was telling me he was in the locker room and because Tommy DeVito was called up to the active roster, and he was like asking, he was like taking a photo of his game check and was like asking somebody about how the the pay stub works, <laughs> like how he gets his money, like like that's how. Um, he had literally expected to be in the end of like where he is now. But anyway, yeah, you know, last year, the whole storyline for non jets fans was like, they they're going against all the backup quarterbacks. That's why they're so good. They haven't really been going against the backups. It's been all starters uh, besides the giants game. So. Yeah. And they've beaten some awfully good ones along the way. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's going to be fun under the lights again. I would imagine the atmosphere is going to be right up there yeah. with week one. I mean, there won't be Aaron Rodgers bringing the American flag onto the field, but this team's four and three, and this game is huge, and it is Monday Night Football. So uh, bring the noise. I think this is a game, too, where that electricity and the way that crowd is on Monday night could really help this team. If it if they get off, to, and they haven't done this yet this season, get off to a good start, right? We've seen the first quarter numbers. Yeah. But if this team could get a first quarter touchdown for once... <laughs> They did get I one think, last week, actually. That was when Brees' touchdown was. Oh, that's right. It was the first and one this, of the year. And this crowd could, you know, yeah, stays positive. I think it's gonna it could be a real difference maker against this Chargers team. So so we will see empowering this team. It's gonna be a fun crowd. Uh it, although I you know, don't put it past Aaron Rodgers coming out of there with the American flag. You know, he's doing crazy things oh, these days down good. on the field. So <laughs> at least wave it and his whole thing is if you doubt him, then what then watch what happens. And you just doubted that he could do that. So Man, I wish he was playing just uh, wasn't all this other stuff too. I know. <laughs> right. Just so we were paying attention to him for all the right reasons. But anyway, <laughs> we'll be back next week to uh to recap it um on Tuesday, probably, right, Zach? Depending on when yeah. you get to bed on Monday night, but maybe <laughs> Tuesday afternoon. Uh we'll have a full recap of this one and then we'll go on from there. Will these Jets be five and three and right in the thick of things in the AFC East? Or will they be four and four and we'll be questioning everything? We'll see next week on the Can't Wait Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for joining us.